Our teaching series over the next five weeks is going to focus on the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus the revolutionary. God wants for a cultural transformation to take place in your life. That's the revolution that needs to take place is in your very midst. And to have that revolution, there needs to be a revelation of what that needs to be. Well, we're going to not just simply pick some little pet themes, some, some scriptures here or there that we kind of think are revolutionary uh, for your life. We're going to systematically walk through the one major theme out of the Gospel of Matthew. Likewise, in Mark, in Luke, in John, in the book of Acts. And in so doing, we're going to understand big movements that God wants to see take place in our lives. Well, I'm at a Cracker Barrel right now. It's kind of noonish. It's a busy little place. People are coming in and getting lunch. And I came here because this is the place of the big checkerboard set. I went in and, and bought a big checkerboard and sitting outside here. Uh, the main theme in the Gospel of Matthew is this, is that Jesus is King. When we play checkers and we move our checker pieces about the board and we get from one side to the other, what do we say? King me! And somebody takes a checker and they king us. And now we have the power to move all over the board as we wish. Well, we learn Jesus is king. 50 times it mentions the kingdom of God in the Gospel of Matthew. I can't wait to open the Word of God and talk to us about the revolutionary dynamic that Jesus is king. Carol K, party of four, your table is now ready. Carol K, party of four. timing right there. That is timing. All right. You've all played this game called checkers. And at some point in time, you've had the privilege to go king me. And I, I want us just on the count of three to, to shout that out if we can. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. King me. Very good. Okay. Let's, let's, let's play with that just a little bit. Let's, let's have fun. So you're playing with somebody you know, and in now in a real demonstrative way, just even better, with, with a lot of sass and attitude, a strong king me. Here we go. One, two, three. King me. Very good. Now, now, now. This, now, once you've done that, that's kind of how it usually goes. The third time you do it, the third time you get there, what, what you probably want to do is do it real soft and subtle, like king me. Just, just like, just a whisper. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. King me. There we go. Uh, doesn't that feel good? Say like, king me. And uh, there we go. Well, what do you know? We learn in the Word of God this revolutionary concept out of the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus is King. Well, I'm going to invite you. Now, you're going to see it on the screen, but we're going to, we're going to emphasize strongly in, in these upcoming months that if, if you can bring your Bible, your written Word of God with you, that is phenomenal. It's just this extra little piece that says, this is tender to my heart. This is important to me. And I know we can do it on our app. I know we can do it just, just, to, just to bring something with you in regards to opening up the Word of God. And when we open up to the Gospel of Matthew, we wind up reading this genealogy that talks about Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who is the son of David. And that whole first chapter is really an introduction that says, King Jesus. That's what it's saying. 
Now we're going to open up chapter 2, and we're going to begin our thematic study through the gospel of Matthew in chapter 2. These are going to be familiar words. Hear the word of the Lord. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We have seen his stars that rose, and we have come to worship him. Magi from the east, from Babylon. And it, just so you know this, why King Herod was so wigged out. One of the job description of the wise men, of the Magi, is they were sent as an envoy, as representatives of the king of Babylon to acknowledge new kings, to extend gifts. It was just an act of diplomacy. And the wise men were so revered in what they did. Not only did they go acknowledge new kings in new lo locations, but they would also, when there were moments in a certain region or a certain city that they didn't know who should rule, they would call in the wise men. They'd call in the magi who would go, oh, let's see uh, you. How about you be king? And they would do interviews. And they would actually king someone. It really wigged out Herod, who was the king of Judea at that time. Well, when King Herod heard this, well, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people, the, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they asked where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet was written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least. For out of you, uh, among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Now you go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find, report to me so that I may go worship in two. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. They saw the star and seen where it had risen on ahead of them. And they, they stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and myrrh. And they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, so they returned by another route. Lord God, this is your word, and these are your people. Lord, may the word of God intersect in our lives that we may never be the same again, because Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. In your name. Amen. Well, here's the options that we have when it comes to kings in our life. And we can say, king me. That's one of the options. And oftentimes we look at the way that the world is shaped and how things work, and we might recognize that we're not all that. And we realize that, well, somebody else is the big shot or some organization, or some institution, some, some nation, some, well, some company, some, you know, my, my family roots, my, my school, some person or persona. So we'll just kind of make our lives more about King the Big Shot. There's a big shot, and I can acknowledge that the big shot's the big shot. And it even kind of works out that we can kind of play King Me and King Big Shot at the same time. But the other option is this, that we King Christ Jesus. Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, was a tax collector for the Roman government. And he was taxing his own people. 
the Jewish people. Matthew knows all about King the Big Shot. He's playing that game. Matthew also knows all about King Me because he's playing that game. He is getting ahead as much as he can get ahead by playing King Big Shot, thus King Me. And there was a time that Jesus would come by his booth and say, follow me. And he left King Big Shot, and he set aside King Me, and he followed Christ the King. There's a sense, friends, that that's exactly what each of us need to be doing in our life. That we go, you know what? It's all right if I get up and leave the table. I don't have to play King Me anymore. I don't have to play King Big Shot anymore. Those things are going to take care of itself because I'm going to acknowledge that Christ is King. Now you may say, I don't play that game. I don't play King Me because I'm not really that kingly. I don't have that much going on. And I, and I will tell you, you can play that game, but the game that you're playing is really, I'm just sorry that I'm not really the king because I play that game. I know what that game's all about. You're still playing King Me. You just haven't felt like you've really gotten ahead that, that anybody's ever acknowledged that you're really all that. And yet, now you're just kind of feeling sorry that you're not king. Still playing the game as well. So in COVID season we find so much of us that our rhythm is messed up. And, and uh, today's Sunday, by the way. If you didn't know that, today's Sunday. I, I don't always know what day in the week it is, but today is Sunday. And that's part of the rhythm, part of the groove that goes on. And so many of us in this time of not only COVID unrest, but civil unrest, our groove is just off. And it is time, some of you may know where we're going, there is a classic King Me moment uh, from King Cusco, uh, who is about the emperor's new groove. Uh, do you remember the emperor's new groove? And the emperor says, in regards to where he wants to put his summer home, his summer palace, he wants to go put it in these hills where, where they just sing, and he's going to plunk, booyah, his home right on top of whoever's home is there. And he's all about King Me. And if anybody gets in his way, he wants them out of his way because you're stepping on my groove. We can operate life in a King Me, don't step on my groove, I need to do what I want to do kind of mentality. And the joy of this season and time is we get to find ourselves a new groove because we can't understand what our old groove used to be anyway. And the emperor's new groove, um, Cusco, oddly enough, if you haven't seen the story, he turns into a llama. It's as if the writers of Disney had read the book of Daniel and the story of Nebuchadnezzar who lost his mind and became like one of the beasts in the field until he had humility and said that Lord God is God Almighty and then his kingdom and his mind were restored to him. Basically, it's the story of Nebuchadnezzar is the story of King Cusco, all in all, that he goes on this journey of humility until he acknowledges that he is not all that and he lear at least learns, he learns kindness and understanding and humility and his kingdom is restored. He finds a new groove. Friends, we need to find ourselves a new groove outside of the king me mentality. Now, as you hear that, be sure that you hear this. So we understand that the kingdom is not about you. 
The kingdom is not about us. But joy of all joys, there's a place for you in God's kingdom. Even though it's not about us, there's a place for us. So in the king of kings court, it looks like this. You, children of God, are royal heirs. Big shots are entrusted. And Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. It doesn't mean that there are not little kings and little kingdoms and little lords all around that operate on this side of eternity that God is working in and through. But Jesus is the king of those kings and the lord of those lords. All three of those kingdom areas are very real. You ought to walk. And we've talked about this for years. When you walk around wherever your location is, and I'm going to reference West Michigan, if you walk around West Michigan, if you happen to go to the largest city, which is Grand Rapids, you walk around, God owns all those buildings. If the kingdom of God needs a kingdom of God resource and you, child of God, identify that the kingdom of God and whatever it is that you do in life and in ministry need access to a certain building, a certain locale, a certain station, some kind of resource, you just need to ask your heavenly father for that and your heavenly father will supply. You need to walk around with great humility and great confidence that you are a child of God. Not spiritual arrogance, but you walk around with incredible confidence. I'm just going to tell you a little, a little story that just went down in our midst in the last few months. A golf course not far away from where I live and many of you live, Evergreen Golf Course, a little par three, executive golf course, 18 holes, beautiful area, went up for sale a couple years ago. And after it sold, somebody texted me and said, hey, Jim, maybe we should have bought that. That could have been the Lifestream golf course. I went, ah, ha, ha. And I went, hey, that was a pretty good idea. We could have raised money, given the money to missions. And my mind just starts going a million miles an hour. You know, I don't know exactly if it was a really good idea or not, but my mind just started going. It's like, you know, you know we, could have, we could have, you know, really created quite an atmosphere there. Like maybe we really missed out on that. I began praying that if God would want to bless us with that property, that somehow it would come our way. That maybe that will come up for sale again. Maybe it will come up for sale. And maybe we ought to think about owning a golf course and making money for missions and doing all this. And, and so t- and I, what I didn't realize was it changed hands a couple of different times because the, the property couldn't perk pr- properly to put a uh, housing complex, uh, 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 an area of, of homes there. And it sold a few times. Well, our friend Dennis called two months ago and said, hey, Jim, I just wanted you to know I bought the Evergreen golf course and I'm going to put five homes up on it for, for my family. And hey, I want you to make sure that the middle schoolers and the high schoolers, college students, whatever group, they can come and have access to it. Uh, we're going to refurbish the clubhouse. We're going to put a pool behind the clubhouse. And I, I want you to come and just make sure that you put that to use. I told our our youth directors that very day what I heard and they were having their last summer fling outing at the current residence where they had the pool and that family had just informed them you know we're going to be shutting down the pool next year I just want you to know friends you are children of the king of kings and lord of lords if there is something that you need to do kingdom work God will supply it have no doubt you walk about with great humility but you walk about with confidence You are royal heirs. And that's not just someday, that's right now. Because Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords and you're children of the King. Be confident in that. 
another dynamic. Big shots are entrusted. So we don't just, oh, they've got a tag or title. <laughs> They're not the king. God's the king. We are to honor those. Let me, just, let me just read the scripture. Let me just read what it says in the book of Timothy. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and for all those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, that it's good and this pleases God our Savior, that we are to pray for people in authority positions over us. I was wondering contextually what that looked like. As Paul is writing this about 66, Nero is the emperor in Rome. Nero is persecuting Christians like crazy at this point in time. We won't go into the details. They are horrific. He, he burned down Rome, and he blamed the Christians for it. They were an easy target because people didn't totally get them and understand them, and there was enough of them around that he could go, yeah, it's that crowd there, and the persecution against them broke out. And Nero was cuckoo for coconuts, and, uh, well, I'm going to get to that in a little bit. Um, but he's writing to Timothy. Well, Timothy's in Ephesus. Who's running Ephesus at this time? Is Timothy and the people receive this? And there is a gentleman. I, I, I looked this up, and um, there's a gentleman by the name of Tiberius Julius Celsus, and they just kind of call him Celsus. He was a contemporary of Timothy. He's actually a little younger than Timothy. So as, so as Timothy was coming of age and coming into station in his life, as he would be the bishop of Ephesus, Celsus was becoming the political leader in the region of Ephesus, and then he would also go to Rome as a Roman council, and he was really quite the business person. He was the biggest deal in Ephesus in the time of Timothy. Sometimes he was in politics, sometimes he was in business. But know this, Timothy's praying for Celsus. Timothy's praying for Celsus. They're contemporaries together. This is, this is how this goes down in the life of Celsus, that he, he did well in life. And in 114, a few years after he passed away, they built a library in his honor because he was so revered and he was, these are the things, these are what was written on the posts of the library, wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, virtue, because they exemplified the life of Celsus. Timothy's praying for that man because the word of God came to him and he did that. It makes a difference. Um, you might have a blue governor You might have a red president Someday you might have a red governor You might have a blue president It doesn't matter if they're red or blue If they're donkeys or elephants We're supposed to pray for them And if you do, it'll make a difference It'll make a difference I, I began to wonder, well you know, what about the people back in Judea? That's where a lot of people would have heard and received this word. At the time, the king in that area was Agrippa II, and he had a fancy name. It was, uh, uh, there we go, uh, yeah, Marcus Julius Agrippa. And Marcus Julius Agrippa, Agrippa II, became a great friend of Josephus, Josephus the great Jewish historian. We know all kinds of things about Jewish and Christian history because of what Josephus wrote down. And Agrippa II gave Josephus access to all the Roman records. The people of the church in Jerusalem were praying for Agrippa. It makes a difference. 
that's what we do for those who are in authority positions. Now, Nero uh, killed himself a year and a half uh, after this was written. So, uh, well, that's how that played out as far as that goes. We come back to his story. And uh, he was just nuts and ridiculous. And he exited the scene of human history. Children of God, you will have political views. It's good to have political views. Um, but that is not our main source of identification. Our main source of identification is not, are we red or are we blue? That is so secondary in God we trust. We are not Republican Americans first or Democratic Americans first. We are kingdom Christians first. And uh, we ought to be more home with people that share our faith than with people that share our politics. That's how kingdom-minded we are called to be. Elephants and donkeys and Mennonites, oh my. Uh, <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. The king-me mindset is exemplified by Herod. Here's how Herod responds when there's a new king he hears of and does not know. He's disturbed by the seeking. He's disturbed by people seeking some king that he doesn't understand. He's deceptive of the wise men, and he wants to eliminate all rivals. That's how Herod acts in regards to what? Not king me? Not king the big shot? Not king the political power that be? Might I say that whether it's red or whether it's blue, this is the kind of outcome that folks that solely identify themselves as red or blue will go. They will try, they are very disturbed by people seeking some kingdom outside of that kingdom. They will deceive people who are wise and they want to eliminate all rivals because they're all about king me, king big shot and not kingdom of God. What this means is, child of God, when we wind up saying that God is our creator, when Jesus is our savior, the Holy Spirit gives us new spiritual life. The Bible is the authoritative word of God. This is how I define that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And there are concentric circles then around that about, well, how, what, you know, what, what, what really happens in communion? What really happens in baptism? And those kind of things. And then we can even get to the, some political views that, that are swayed outside of that. I want you to know that, that really smart people who love God deeply have landed in different places on that. Have landed in different modes of blues and reds and purples and whatever in regards to it. And it doesn't mean that they're not smart and it doesn't mean that they don't love God. We are kingdom people. Elephants and donkeys and Mennonites, oh my. We throw the Mennonites in there because for years, and I've read some things recently, they've actually abstained from voting because they view themselves as kingdoms and citizens of heaven and not of this world. I'm not advocating for that. I think you ought to vote. I think you ought to dig in and understand to the best of your ability what would a kingdom mindset do and where do I place my boat as a Christ follower. I think you ought to do it. But your main identity 
the core of who you are, it's all about Christ the King. And how do we king Christ Jesus? What do the wise men do? Well, they seek him. They worship him. They share their gifts with him. When Israel went to kings instead of prophets leading them, when Samuel, the final prophet, hands the baton of leadership to Saul, the very first king, the intent was never that God was not Israel's king. God was always intended to be the king. So there can be other kind of kingdoms that operate in regards to God's kingdom. And as the wise men open their gifts and they share them with Christ, we also learn that, that we're to share any kind of gift that's been given to us. And the greatest gift that we've received is the gospel, is the good news that Jesus Christ has sought you and bought you, has came to this planet as a rescue party of one so that your sins might be forgiven. You can live abundant life now. Streams of living water will pour forth from the depths of your very inner being and soul and you can live with God forever. Um, that you would share that. So here's the challenge. And we're gonna give this challenge over five weeks. If you've got your phones with you right now, you can respond right now. You can respond later, but I would love it if you responded now. The challenge is this. Would you share your faith one time before 2020 is up? Because there's a desperate world in need to hear that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and loves them very, very much. And if you would go, I would share that one time before 2020 is up. I'd share that. I'd, 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 I'll listen to God's Spirit and share that with somebody. Just text the number on the screen, uh, 2020, and we're going to keep track of this, and every week we're going to say how many people are, are, are involved and engaged in this. When you go to our website, and you go to Next Steps, and you go to Share, you can let us know how it went. You can say, oh, I really fell on my face. you got to pray for that one right there. You can tell what happened, or you can say, praise God, I planted a seed. Praise God, we prayed with someone. You can tell us your story about how it went when you shared that Jesus is King. We're going to do just a little bit more Bible work before we wrap it up. So the book of Matthew is divided into three major parts. And the first part really introduces that Jesus is the Son of God and this divine sonship makes him king. So we see that this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham, and it goes on with this, with this list. Uh, here's some fun facts about the royal family that we as Westerners follow most. It would be the British royal family. Uh, so the royals, how will you say this? The crown is worth 88 billion. They have that much in assets when you go to jewels and castles and land and stuff and things. And that's just, uh, just that position of the monarchs themselves. The queen has her whole own private funds uh, She's got 530 million just kind of just, eh, just, just, just in case a rainy day hits. Uh, she's got 530 million set aside. Now, some fun facts about them. They, uh, anytime anybody gives them a gift, they have to accept it. They do not play Monopoly or it gets way too competitive. So they've said, we are not playing Monopoly with each other. Isn't that something? They kind of have Monopoly, but they won't play Monopoly. Uh, uh, the queen, uh, when it comes to meets and eats, she begins all meetings 
every meeting, the queen will have a statement, and she sets the tone, and she ends all eats. When she's done eating, everybody's done eating. All the plates get picked up when the queen is done eating. I just think when we look at that, at, at the monarchy that takes place that we are most aware of, there are great things to be in tune with as children of God. When God starts and stops things, we ought to start and stop things as well. And uh, God is way richer than the British monarchy. All right. Second section. Every time there's a transition that talks about the king. Um, in Matthew chapter 4, it says this. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And in this section from Matthew 4 into the middle of Matthew 16, what's going on is this. Um, it's, this is what a king does on earth. And for, many, for some of us today, we need to hear repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. It's now. It's in your midst. It's time to respond. And you know if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And this is when you say, God, forgive me. I want to follow you. I am so tired of trying to play king me. I am weary and done. I want to king you in my life. It doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. It doesn't mean you've got it all put together. But I want to king Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. So God, forgive me, and I want to follow you. You say that in your mind, in your heart, and the Holy Spirit does this work, and you become a child of God. You're part of God's royal family. Don't miss out on that. I'm going to read a little bit more. We're going to pray together, but you can pray that in your heart and in your spirit to say yes to who God is calling you to be. And then in Matthew 16, there's this amazing conversation that takes place. Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that your name is Peter, and on this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The kingdom of God is not in retreat. It is good for you to share your story. People are ready to say yes. Don't think they want to just throw up walls. There's, there's all kinds of research that has been done, and people love saying that the sky is falling. But over 80% of people who have once attended church and are now disengaged, they would come back if somebody said, would you come with me? I'd love for you to, I'd love for you to hear more. Hey, can we ha sit down and have a conversation about the Bible? They would love to do that. The Holy Spirit is waiting for a vessel like you to be a conduit to share the living story of God. I'm going to read this last passage of Scripture, and I invite for you to stand and hear this as, as an appropriate challenge, as a commendation to you. But this is the culmination of the Gospel of Matthew. And, and there's this comparison that takes place between those who follow Jesus, the disciples, and they don't totally have their act together, but they're following Jesus. And those like Herod or leading authorities who really want to distance themselves. And it is just utterly amazing, the contrast. Um, 
we're to do the kind of things that Jesus did. That's the kind of stuff that we do. That's what we're encouraged to do. And here, here's what it says. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And we just sang about this, didn't we? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord God Almighty, thank you that you are in this place. Thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And right now, we lay down our tiny kingdoms. Forgive us for playing the King Me game and the King Big Shot game. And allow us to build our lives upon you and your kingdom. And thank you, Lord, for what you entrust us with. Lord, help us to pray for those who are in authority roles. And may their lives, Lord, may we pray prayers of blessing over them and may their lives be changed for glorious good. May you enlighten them in such ways in how they walk a kingdom of God path. Lord, for those today who are seeking your forgiveness, who are becoming children of God in this moment, we praise you for that. Lord, may your grace wash over them. and May your spirit give them abundance and freshness of life. And for these things, God, we thank you so much for who you are. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you for being King of us. In your name, amen.